I got too much technology on my hands. I'm, I'm still trying to learn how to produce and be a co a co anchor on this show. Co star. You feeling uh? You feeling tropical, huh? Feeling tropical. You know, I just had to get away from the COVID. Go for, to the beach where you definitely cannot catch it. That's right, man. That's right. Just right. be careful, man. That that little that little French chick will get you in trouble, man. Ask Leonardo DiCaprio, man. Don't be at that beach messing with them little French girls over there, man. But uh, hey, you. man, we got cool, yeah. <laughs> you had to see that movie, I guess, man. Uh, anyway, I'm sure you probably have. You probably just you probably just feeling good right now. But uh, you got a date before we do anything, man. Saint Sir's podcast on Memorial Day, man. Happy Memorial Day. You know, shout out to all the troops and everybody that makes this possible, man. But I guess you want to lay down a date and throw it down for everybody. May 25th. 2020 y'all be safe <laughs> like only the dancing bear could man jealousy bro c has left the set what is going on here i had to get i get I had to get one of my ladies alcoholic beverages keep going oh shit y'all drinking on a monday too huh drinking on a monday i don't i'm not a big drinker but i'm drinking right now well look man uh i guess you know one thing i want to lead off with man uh Tom Brady, obviously, we know what happened in the offseason. We talked about it a ton of times on the podcast. It's all over the news, especially in a light sports time like we have now where basically none of the major sports are happening in North America because I don't consider NASCAR our sport. I'm sorry. Somebody can be mad at me, message me freely if you want. But ESPN ranked the best and worst 32 to 1 the offseasons for every team. I can agree with Houston. Chris is going to be mad hearing that, but let's be real. They were the worst fucking offseason of any team by far. They lost DeAndre Hopkins. And they made one of the worst trades ever and getting David Johnson's expensive contract in return. Um, so we can agree with that, correct, at 32. But I think there's a little bit of a second-round pick for a guy that's been concussed so many times in the recent past, uh, Brandon Cooks, your favorite. Well, yeah, I mean, Cooks – look, I always love Cooks as a talent. You know, former Saint. You know, he's been a number one receiver in three different places. He's, he's a special player. But the concussions scare me, man. It's a little bit of a concern. You know, I mean, he's one concussion possibly from being retired at an early age. I mean, look at what happened with Luke Keekley, Andrew Luck, guys that have left the game over that type of thing. You know, many others who preceded them. So, I mean, I mean yeah, you're right. That's another little bit of a risky move there. Cook's I mean, making no small amount of money. Round pick when that second-round pick could have got you any number of, you know, highly sought-after rookie receivers, you know, for a guy well, that damaged good and has a contract. That's a little questionable to me. I mean – if you want to give up a third for that guy, I would do it. But a second just seems like a reach. And, in, 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 uh, you know, who else was offering a second-round pick for a guy? To, well, to me, their, their window their window is getting pretty small. I mean, well, you know, Brandon Cook's crazy player. You know, we talked about it before. Traded for multiple first-round picks and a second. That, that's a pretty rare thing that happens uh, in any age of football. But 
you know, the Texans, I don't, I don't want to spend too much time on them, but I think they've just done everything wrong, let's be real. They haven't gotten another pass rusher going alongside J.J. Watt. The secondary is still trash. Offensive line's better. I give them credit for the Tunsil move last year, although they gave up a lot to do it. But they're not in a really good position going into the season. They're probably the third team in that division at best. Um, but let's, let's just say this. Let me ask you this. Tampa number one, how do you feel about it? I personally disagree with it. Let me get your take on it, man. I mean, um, first of all, you know, ESPN's having a lot of confidence in, you know, the greatest quarterback in NFL history, but can this be uh, Michael Jordan to the Wizards type of deal where – Joe Montana to the Chiefs? Yeah. I mean, Joe Montana had a good, a good little run. He went to the playoffs. You know, yeah, he, but he wasn't, wasn't the same guy, but he was right. still a playoff guy. I mean, Michael Jordan just kind of just went there as a, you well, know. That was, that was after he retired. Yeah, that was out retirement as a owner. Yeah. yeah, that's after he retired. But Tom Brady is 43 years old. He's going to a brand-new team. Yeah. Good receivers, albeit questionable offensive line, uh, pretty decent brain trust. Do we trust that this is going to be like a home run move right off the bat? Well, well, our article on, on Tailgate 504, the article, we, you know, we really focused on the fact that this offensive line, Ali Marpet and uh, Jensen, you know, Ryan Jensen, the two probably best players on their line. Donovan Smith's been a disaster. He's been very inconsistent. You know, they brought in Tristan Wirfs, who's got a lot of potential. Don't get me wrong. But this unit as a whole allowed almost three sacks a game last year. Now, did Winston hold on the ball too much? At times, possibly. Now, but Winston, let's say this, he is more mobile than a 43-year-old Tom Brady. All right? So that kind of, to me, kind of levels itself off but they've averaged less than three yards of carry to their running backs last year so I mean to me an offensive line that doesn't produce in the run game okay I know some of that's on the backs and they got mediocre backs and Keyshawn Vaughn might add a little something to that we don't know if that's gonna if that's gonna happen or not but the offensive line did not do a great job run blocking or pass blocking last year and that secondary was one of the worst in the league they were third to last giving up 270 yards a game in the air and to me you did nothing except get Antoine Whitman that's the only change in that secondary out of the draft. Antoine Winfield Jr. to safety. Uh, you know, obviously his dad was a great corner with the Vikings and the Bills back in the day. But I don't think they did enough in the secondary. I don't think they did enough in the offensive line. Like you said, Tom Brady's 43 fucking years old when this season starts. I, I just don't see it, man. Bob Gronk was, was wrestling just a few weeks ago, you know. Exactly. People, they're selling the shit out of Gronkowski. To me, this is not substance. This is more hype than anything else. This is getting the getting – the, getting the guys back together. I mean, honestly, it doesn't even make sense because, I mean, they already had a real blue-chip uh, guy out there who they refused to throw the ball to, O.J. Howard. Yeah, uh, I mean – I bring in Kowski, uh, you, you have Cramon Bradenhouse, who's had some good moments, a respectable tight end. It just seems like they're just bringing in, you know, Rob Gronkowski so he can party down in Florida with his buddy. Well, I mean, let me ask you this. Does it seem like that, like an early retirement? Like Brady's like, hey, if we win, fuck it. We already got six fucking rings. Who gives a fuck? You know what I mean? Uh, it, to me, it feels like that. Because for the Bucks, this isn't a good long-term move. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't think getting a quarterback that signs a two-year, $50 million deal, you're playing for two years. You got all these aging players. I like their front seven, but there's some aging players they gave new contracts to, like Jason Pierre-Paul, Dominique Sue. Um I don't know if I like these moves. There's some age, like I said, those guys up front, Brady being, you know, 43 years old coming into the season. Um, I don't know, man. I, I just don't think they did a lot of stuff that's going to help them long term. They're playing basically for one or two years. And you made a good point about Gronkowski. O.J. Howard is a hell of a tight end out of Alabama. 
and here's my thing. Arians, the whole problem with Howard was Arians doesn't use the tight end, right? Isn't that what we hear? So what, is he going to change his whole fucking offensive plan because of a guy that's two years out of retirement that might be a shell of what he once was? You know what I'm saying? So how is Gronk really helping his team more than O.J. Howard and Cameron Gray? I don't know. Him on the field, you know, takes the ball away from guys that, that can play, that, that, that should be getting more. Yeah, more. but then Chris Godwin, you're the best fucking duo in the league. And Chris Godwin should be playing a lot of slots, but now you're going to run 12 personnel. It, you know, it just it just boggles the mind. And they have some interesting guys where they can run really nice three receiver sets. They got, you know, Scotty Miller, who's had moments. Uh, Justin Watson, who's one of my favorites. He just can't get on the field. And well, uh, God, he just drafted Tyler Johnson, who who a lot of people like uh, in the film community. I mean, to me, I think you're going in for one or two years. It's almost like the ownership situation, just fucking the fans once again, the Glazer family. They've done some horrible things there. You know, they won a Super Bowl way back in the 90s over the Raiders. After that, they haven't done jack shit, basically. Um, you know, to me, this seems like, hey, let's sell a lot of fucking merch. You know, we got the new uniforms. we got these, you know, we got these guys to sell out the place, you know, and, and let's make some money and let's get to the playoffs, maybe get that playoff bonus, and we're probably going home. And after that, when Brady walks off to the sunset with Gronk, what do you have left? You're back at square one. You don't have a development young quarterback sitting behind Brady. No, they, this, got, they got no backup. This one move, this one move is the reason. This one move is why is the reason why they didn't have the best offseason. They let their starting quarterback, instead of figuring out a way to let him back up Tom Brady, you let yeah. him right down there to Nola, back them up, bring all the, the trade secrets with him. Yeah. Let him be there possible, you know, a guy that that's going to contend for the quarterback in the future there. And, well, that's and, the thing, yeah. We, yeah. You, have no, you have no backup plan after after. No, Blaine Gabbard's the backup. You got a rookie We're right tackle. One of the worst busts in history is the backup. You got a rookie right, right tackle that's that's going to protect the immovable object in, in Tom Brady. You know, that guy can get Tom Brady hurt on one or two plays. It, well, he's played his whole career in Bill Belichick's system. I'm sorry. I understand Brady's cerebral. I understand he loved Saints fans hating hearing this. I love Drew Brees as much as anybody, but Brady's the best quarterback of all time. Brady might be the system, though. But that's what I'm saying. We're going to see him in a new system at 43 behind a suspect line, a minimal running game, a secondary that's going to give up big play after big play. Because I like their front seven. Outside of the receivers and Brady, I think that's the strength of the team, that front seven with Devin White from LSU, great player in his second year. Levante David's been in a couple of Pro Bowls. Jason Pierre Paul is old, but he's still producing. Yeah, Barrett had a tremendous year, 19 sacks. I mean, led the league in sacks. I mean, there's some Vita Vea. Like I said, we always talk about Vita Vea. Didn't get anything. Yeah, Vita Vea. I, I really was impressed with Vita Vea uh, collapsing the inside, uh, yeah. inside of the pocket over and over. Uh, in last I think they're, they're front seven's incredible. In the right direction on the defensive end. Yeah. Advanced they just need some more pieces of that second. Anything, you know, they may be respectable back there, but like you said, the, the corners are highly suspect. Well, and here's my thing. I, I would have tried to find a way to get a more of a, a, an established corner. I know they come expensive, but I think they struck out getting a young backup, whether it's through the draft or somewhere else. Maybe even look at Josh Rosen. I mean, you'd probably give up a six-rounder for that guy at this point. Take, just bring in a young guy that could sit behind Tom Brady. They don't have an understudy. They could have went and got another corner or two, you know, for what they spent on Dominican Sue, who they, I don't think they need with all the talent they got in that, sec, that uh, front seven. 
I mean, you could have used that money in a secondary better. You could have got a developmental young quarterback through the draft or get a Josh Rosen or whoever. You could have got a, a, another piece on the offensive line possibly as well. I mean – A really good offseason, uh, a guy that can uh, kind of sit back there and wait for his turn. One of your favorites. You know, he can't stop breaking into people's houses, but he oh, – fucking all, Kelly. By all reports, he had a great offseason. <laughs> uh, I don't think Towns the issue season to clean up his life, you know, to get off the smack and, you know, yeah. to stick with football and stop beating up children and beating and breaking into homes like a serial killer. There's two things I think with Chad Kelly, why he keeps getting these extra chances in life in the NFL. I think the fact that he does have some game, and obviously because his uncle is Jim Kelly and a lot of people have respect for Jim Kelly, you know. So, I mean, I think the fact – if he didn't have the talent or if he wasn't connected with Jim Kelly, I think this dude would have been given up on a long time ago. But – there's something there with that kid talent-wise. And then, like you said, teams probably feel like they owe his uncle a little bit. You know, for whatever reason, he's a great guy, great respected uh, name in the history of this game. But I, that's – I mean, somebody. Bring in somebody besides Blaine fucking Gabbard. He's terrible. I mean, I think I could go out there. That's the fucking – he's the Uncle Rico of NFL quarterbacks, and he's fucking terrible. I mean, uh, look, dude, let's, let's – let's, you're speaking of bad owners. I want to get into a topic, man. We're, we're going to be dropping an article on tailgate. We, you know, we were talking about it today, me and you earlier, man. Um, worst owners in sports history. And just some of the names that you're going to hear in this list. Tell me something what you think about it. I'm going to throw a couple names out there. I'll throw the first one out there. To me, this guy could be the worst of all. But Donald Sterling, go for it. What you got to say about this guy? Horrible racist. Fuck that dude. <laughs> Pretty much sums it up right there. Um, He's a, he was a guy that was a slumlord like somebody – you know, some people we know that are, you know, currently in office, but, you know, uh, <laughs> terrible policies would just treat, you know, uh, ethics like shit uh, as yeah. a lord and, and, and carried it on to his uh, basketball uh, team. Yeah, they were, they, were, they were poorly operating. Until Chris Paul and Blake Griffin got there, they were the joke of the NBA for like a 15 to 20 year period. Um, they, they were pretty fucking terrible. I remember those teams back in the day, you know, I mean, they, they just didn't have a lot of talent ever. Late 80s, 90s, they were just a fucking joke of a franchise. It just made money because it was Los Angeles. They shared an arena with the Lakers. You know what I mean? They had fucking – they had a great market to be in. I mean, he, he, he was rich. That was all it was. He was in for the money. Um, let, let's throw it in. Like you say, he's a piece of shit racist. We're going to go into that. Um, speaking of piece of shit racist owners, that is a weird one because this one, I don't know how familiar you know baseball. I know you turned off baseball a little bit in your life over time. But I've got – you should be familiar with this – uh, interesting lady, Marg Schott. You know, she passed away a few years back, former Red Zone. What do you think about her? She's a Nazi. <laughs> she was a fucking Nazi. That lady was a fucking Nazi. nut job. She, she was a fucking definition of white nationalist, that lady. I'm pretty sure she changed her identity after she fled uh, Germany after uh, after they, uh, a lot of the Nazis got hunted down, as we saw in uh, several movies that, that escaped my, my head right now. Dude. Two, look, look, man. What is it with? I Rain might have been looking at her, brother. She might have been. She's lucky to bastards. Like that old Houston, uh, like that old Houston owner that was, that was a horrible racist that got well, out. Look, well, yeah, I mean, remember, check this out. Now, you know the weird thing about her is I, this is the only thing I'm gonna give her any amount of respect on. She's a piece of shit racist as well. But the Reds were a well-oiled machine. I will say that they won one championship while she was their owner back in, uh, I think that was 1990, if I'm not mistaken. Um, 
they had a great team, Eric Davis and those guys, Barry Larkin, you know, um, Jose Rijo, I remember back in the day, really good team. But she won. I'll give her that. She actually ran a respectable organization on the field um, as far as the way they performed, unlike the Clippers. But she was a total piece of shit of a person that deserved to be bitch slapped. You know, she passed away. Most people don't feel bad talking about her because she was such a piece of shit person. Um, well, let, let's go. That's going to be a little sample. People like that. Um, I got some other ones, too. Um, you know, Mr. Dolan of the Knicks. I mean, is this guy the worst? I mean, he whoa, could whoa. be up there with Sterling. I mean. What happened? We lost sound. Oh, you there? You got me? I should be good, huh? Oh, we lost sound. You can't get me at all? I got you. I got you. We back. Okay. Well, hello. Okay, so we got Mark shot. She's a sack of shit, all right? What do you think? Okay, one of the other guys that got on there, there's going to be five or six of these owners we're going to really kind of go into detail about and how much of their piece of shit, basically. But Dolan, New York Knicks, I mean, is this guy possibly the worst right now in sports? No, nobody's worse than Daniel Schneider. He's 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 That's, he's, a, that's one of the guys that'll be up there as well. Uh, would you would – you, you, uh, you, know, you would take Daniel Schneider – I mean, you would have to take Dolan before Dolan, Snyder if you had a gun Dolan, to the head. Dolan's a dipshit. He 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 he's he's one of the worst musicians. Uh, if you ever you know want to have a laugh, YouTube uh, James <laughs> Dolan uh, musical uh, numbers that he performs at different clubs. You know, Fuck no! Are you serious? I swear to God, he plays like a guitar. He does like some blues thing. It's terrible. It's fucking awful. It's oh, dude, I gotta see this really, shit. Really, really bad. And yeah, he's a laughing stock because of it, you know. How the fuck you never made this public before on here, man? If I knew Dolan was making an ass out of himself for being such a piece of shit, I would have watched that, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like he kicked out uh, Charles Oakley out of his building. Yeah, fucking one of the most respected Knicks players of all time, one of the sole <laughs> warriors of the nineties. Yeah, yeah, well, no, but Charles Oakley was a beast, man. Former. Chicago yeah. Bull, Oakley was a fucking dog. Oakley would whip that dude's ass. He would tear that dude's fucking nose off with his thumb. You know what I'm saying? Yes, sir. He was a and professional Charles athlete. And, you know, James Dolan's just a terrible musician. Uh, no, no. You know what I'm saying? Charles Oakley's a bad – that's like the one guy you don't fuck with. I mean, you could have went after, like, you know, one of these fucking guys who might be a candy ass or something. I mean, I'm sure there's somebody in NBA history that, you know, you, you don't fuck with Charles Oakley's the point. I mean, Charles Oakley's like the baddest, like, you know, pipe laying fucking dude out there. That dude's a fucking maniac, man. Yeah, he, he was that, that's a dude that fucking jealous, wireless. Uh, he calls him. Yes, he called yeah. him after the jealous wireless guy had unspeakable things done to him. He called yes. Charles Oakley to clean it up, right? Charles Oakley showed up. That's who showed up for Zed. Zed was fucking basically dead. You know nice. what I mean? Nice. But, but Charles to, Oakley was trying to get guy people on, uh, on Pulp Fiction, but. She keeps falling asleep every every single night. So I tried to go Wait, to romance, and that you haven't she, she hasn't got the Pulp Fiction yet. Uh, sleep is a more uh, valuable commodity at this point, I guess. Oh man, she's giving up on it early, man. She she has the same approach that the wife has, I think. Um, but yeah, man, that's kind of what we're gonna go into though with the tail, you know, tailgate504.com. We're gonna drop that on there about the owners. Um. Real quick, man, free agency. You know, you see some guys still out there. Taylor Gabriel, who we've talked about at nauseum. The Saints could add this guy really cheap at receiver. I think it'd be a great move. Um, Saints have about nine million in cap space, so I don't know what they're waiting for. Do you think? Do you think a Taylor Gabriel or Jadavian Clown 
money is in the cards for the Saints. I think Taylor Cabral would be the perfect third receivers for any number of teams. I mean, honestly, he can go to Green Bay and be their number two right now. You know, probably could pretty easily. Over Devin Funches, man. Huh? Yeah, I mean, I like I like Devin Funches at one point, but uh, <laughs> kind of settled in as like a, you know a kind of jump ball specialist in the end zone. He just he just never really got enough separation to kind of further his career. He's yeah, just, I didn't get the consistent plays out of him, man, when I watched him play. He's just a contested catch uh, player who, who doesn't always – Yeah, I, I didn't love his route running. I didn't love his breakaway. You know, uh, there were some things about it. But, but no, I get what you're saying. Taylor Gabriel represents some nice things about his game. I think he played with some – you know, early in his career, he played with some bad offenses. Um, you know, the Chicago team now, that's still a question to be answered, whether that offensive system's good or not. But, I mean, you know, Gabriel, he kind of fell behind some guys in Atlanta on the depth chart. But he's always been a decent producer in that third or fourth role. And I think that's all the Saints would need with Michael Thomas, with Jared Cook, Emmanuel Sanders, Alvin Kamara, et cetera. Yeah. You know, you know he, he didn't put up many numbers in the last few years. I mean, he played with possibly the worst quarterback in the NFL, you know, a guy where – Right. That's part of the problem as well. To throw the ball because uh, he was uh, highly inaccurate and made terrible decisions. And – you know, for a running quarterback, didn't know when he should take off. Um, so That's a bad spot to be in. Yeah, you know? you know, it's a, it's pretty amazing that uh that Allen Robinson put up numbers in that in that situation. But he really had a he had a comeback he didn't season. Much room for a second person no. to do anything. Well, let me ask you this. I mean, so you you would look at Clowney as a guy. You know, personally, I know some teams think ESPN ranked the Saints as having the ninth best offseason, and I'm okay with that. I'm fine with it. I think they did better than nine, but I'm not going to argue it too much because I really think they did well in the draft. They knew what they wanted to do in the draft. They kept it minimal with the number of picks, but they had a plan. They got Emmanuel Sanders to me, which was absolutely what we needed. We talked about it since two years ago that we needed a number two receiver. Um, my thing is with the Saints, they got criticized a little bit by ESPN I need another edge rusher. They're not giving Davenport to me the respect that he deserves. But, you know, they said they made a point after Davenport and Jordan. You got Trey Henderson, who's a little inconsistent, decent ball, decent ball player, though. And Carl Granderson, who's a guy who showed some flashes late last season when he had an opportunity. But would Clowney on a one-year deal be sensible to you? Or do you say, fuck it, give that money to Alvin Kamara now, let's get this extension done? I mean, honestly, um, I don't think – Clowney's my guy. I think my guy would be like Everson Griffin if I could. Everson Griffin. That's that's a guy I would prefer that, myself. That uh that that Clowney wants, and I can fit in uh, Taylor Gabriel. I think all of a sudden the, the Saints offseason shoots to very near the top, right there with, in my opinion, Dallas and uh in uh, Cleveland. Well, you know, and see to me, Dallas. I got a problem with Dallas offseason. I, I think they really killed their secondary, and I don't like the CD Lamb pick. I think he could be a really good player someday. I do like Cleveland, they got, though. Well, they got the guy that Cleveland they were looking at right. in the first round in the second round. In, in, What's that? They got the guy they were looking at in the first round in the second round with Diggs. Now they have probably the best receiving core in the league, and they added strength on top of strength. I mean, I do, but, but to me, if, if Diggs on Alabama is your best cover corner, you're in fucking trouble. That's all I'm going to say. I've watched the kid a little bit. I like him don't love him. Alabama's had a bad track record with corners. We can go back to a lot of names there. Um, 
But I'm just saying it's uh, – and I'm not saying, look, that won't change the fact he could be a good player. I'm not saying that he can't be. But you lost your best DB with Byron Jones. So, basically, to me, you, dra- you dropped a guy who's a quality corner in this league for a guy we don't know what he's got who some teams passed on, and he fell a little bit in the draft. So, I mean, I- I'm a little scared if that's who I'm relying on, personally. Um, I, you know, I, Cleveland, I agree. I'm with you on Cleveland. I think they repaired their offensive line, which definitely needed help in front of Mayfield because that offense has a shit ton of talent. I like Austin Hooper because they can't wait around forever for David Joku to stay healthy and learn the position. Um, Hooper's a solid player. The offensive line's better. I like their defense. I do agree with Cleveland. I'm right with you on Cleveland. That, would, that's to me a team a third that could possibly be the number one spot for the best offseason. I would, I would send a third round to, uh, for Joku right now if I'm the Saints. I, well, I'll tell you this. Jared Cook – well, you got Troutman. Troutman's your future. I think Troutman's your guy. Troutman's a rookie and, and – well, no, no, I mean, but I'm saying, but you got right now, this season with Drew Brees, you got Jared Cook, who's still a top 10 tight end, maybe top five, you know, depending on who wants to argue it. But you got Jared Cook, you got Josh Hill, who, like, Josh Hill's vanilla, he's serviceable, he's that guy. But Peyton knows what he wants to do with Josh Hill. Hill's a decent blocker, he knows the offense really well. I think Troutman sits there as the successor to Cook. I think he plays a little bit of ball this year. Next year, those snaps go up quite a bit. Uh, depending on what they do with Jared Cook, whose contract is up after this year. I, I mean, Joku, though, no, I agree with you. To me, there should be several teams looking at David Joku, uh, a former high draft pick out of Miami, tons of upside. You know what I mean? I think they gave up on him a little bit early, but I do see the, you know, the fan base is antsy there. They have a lot of talent, especially on the offensive side of the ball. I, I think it was a good move getting Hooper. I don't love the money that they gave him, but if you had the cap space to do it, fuck it. Sometimes you spend it. You know what I mean? Um yeah, well, I really like they, that they got, you know, bookend tackles, you know, which was yeah. a, like, that was a huge need. need. You know, any most teams, if they don't have a, you know, a tackle, then, then that quarterback's getting abused back there. So to, to cover up both edges, uh, you know, was, was of utmost importance for, for that team. And I think that's going to help them go forward and be a contender in that division. I think another team that I would I would I would rival Cleveland for being maybe one of the definitely better than Tampa's offseason in my opinion for what they're doing long term. Another team I would also throw up there because I don't want to talk shit about ESPN and say hey you fucked this up you put them number one they shouldn't have been. But like you said, we made a point about Cleveland. We both agree there. I'm not feeling the same on Dallas, but I think you'll agree with me on this team as well. Another team just bounced in my head around um, a little bit in the last minute or so. Buffalo Bills, I think they had a fucking incredible offseason for a team that really made the, you know, jumped into the playoff scene last year. Tom Brady's out of the division. It could be their division for many years. I think getting Stephon Diggs, they made some really good pieces, uh, some good acquisitions on defense, getting some pieces like Mario Addison, A.J. Klein. Um, I think that team did everything right, drafted. I like uh, running back. And I like Austin. the that, uh, you know, I don't think this guy's a world beater, but he's, he's a really good, you know, prospect as a backup quarterback especially as as erratic as uh Josh Allen can be at times to pick up from to be a backup now see I'm not a big from guy I think I think he could be a backup game manager no no I mean look I'll say this I think Josh Allen's true I think he's got to definitely now put it this way if he's still making those mistakes middle of the season that he made in the playoffs a little bit I think somebody needs to check him a little bit I mean he's not in danger of losing his spot I mean he's He's done some really nice things for his team. I think I like Josh Allen a lot. I think he's a runner. I think his game came along really well as the season progressed, but he didn't have shit around him last year or the year before. You know, so I mean he's this to me, you got Stephon Diggs now, 
you got a legit receiver out there to go with John Brown and Cole Beasley. That's a good trio. You know, the running game, you add Moss in there with Singletary. I think they got a good thing going. But uh, that team, see, you left us, man. We gone. I'm right here. I, I had to jump in the water real quick. Damn it, see, man. You can't just go jump in the water and splash around in the waves and go, wee. You can't just do that, man. Look, I'm just saying, I, I like I like what the Bills did, though, man. Josh Allen, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sold on Josh Allen. It's beyond the fantasy football thing. I, I like him right now. But I'm saying, getting digs, man. They added some serious talent on defense to a top three defense. And let's just say that Josh Norman bullshit works out at corner. I mean, they gave a one-year, like, $6 million deal to Josh Norman, who's been atrocious the last couple of years. But he's getting back with his original coaches. Can they hide this guy in a talented defense? And could he be, you know, could he be usable? If Josh Norman has any use on this team with all the other players they have, like Jadavious White, you know, uh, Addison we talked about, you know, Milano. There's a ton of talent. Some cover two concepts and give him some safety help. He can make plays back there on his side because – Absolutely. Is locked down on his side. No, nobody. Absolutely. Our best in the league. Yeah. To, to, to Norman's side. So, you know, yeah. he plays, you know, that, that defense, you know, can be really legit, you know, coming in. That's excellent brain trust as well. Uh, with McDermott uh, on that defense. Uh, a defense that was already, you know, super legit and uh, yeah. carried that team to the playoffs last year. Yeah. I mean, that's what I'm saying. I think, I think Allen will make more plays with Diggs around. I think there'll be a little more stability in offense. I like the Singletary-Moss combination. Gore had to go at this point. Um, Dawson Knox in year two, I believe. That's going to be a nice move. John Brown not being relied upon because he's not a number one. If he can be a, a spacer and a big playmaker on occasion. I like what they're doing. Uh, but anyway, uh, we, we, we feel there's some teams, obviously, in a better situation than what the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers did. I mean, we, we don't think – I think we agree they didn't have the best offseason. To me, I just don't – I'm not feeling it. I don't think they made moves for the future. I think ESPN is jerking them off right now. It's a good story right now when not a lot is there I mean, to talk honestly, about. I could, I, could paint, I could paint a story if I was, like, super optimistic that that team would be, you know, pretty damn good this year and, and contend, you know, for the division. But right. that's – to me, that's like a 20% chance of happening. Look, I, and I'm not saying they're going to be a 4-12 and 12 team. I think they're a 9-win team, maybe 10-win at best. Could they possibly make it as a wild card? Absolutely. But I don't think this team gets anywhere in the playoffs. I don't think you, – you can't allow the big plays that secondary has allowed in the past, you know. And, and an offensive line, unless they just really turn things around there and, and Jones or either Vaughn becomes a fucking top 20 running back, I just don't see it. And Brady, like I said, it's a new system. Like you said, man, you go from Belichick to Arians, there's a lot of question marks, man, at 43 years old for an immobile guy in today's game. I mean, you know – I mean, if you want to look at the plus side, this is by far the two best receivers he's ever played with. Oh, absolutely. That's the intriguing part of it. That is the intriguing part. I'm just super intrigued to see Godwin, you know, in the role of, uh, you know, in the Wes Welker or um, or role where he just gets peppered with targets and can actually do something. Oh. And Mike Evans would be more of that old school Randy Moss kind of look, you know. That that's kind of like to play more of the the Gronk role where he just throws it up to him. He know, could as well, but he could play that sideline that the true. Not going to throw a bunch you know, of yard bombs, but you know, in the twenty to thirty yard area, you know, get right. back 
a chance and, and, you know, get chunk plays up and down. Oh, absolutely. Evans is a tremendous deep threat. I mean, that'll give – Brady will have, like you said, I mean, there's a guy that won a Super Bowl two years ago. Julian Edelman is his best receiver with a less than 50% Rob Gronkowski that season, you know. Unless so he, uh, He's never really needed, you know, at various points of his career as, you know, much running back help. He just – he creates the running game with his passing attack, with his short passing attack. That is the run game. But to me, that system is going to change. It is a different system. He is a year older. He did show some flaws last year. Maybe it's a little bit of talent around him, and that line wasn't nearly as good. But remember, that Tampa Bay offensive line could be very similar to what he experienced last year in New England. You know, they lost uh, Trent Brown, who was a huge piece. And that offensive line suffered. It, that could be what he's playing behind, a year older and a new system, trying to learn this shit. You know, I mean, like I said, he's a smart dude, cerebral quarterback. Obviously, he's the best ever. But at 43 years old, it's a lot of shit to learn, dude, and a lot of shit to deal with. You've got the New Orleans Saints in that division, who, you know, back-to-back 13 wins. There's the Seattle Seahawks. There's the 49ers, who a lot of people pick right up there with the Saints. The Packers had a really good year last year. The NFC is loaded with good teams. I just don't see them as a top four or five team in the NFC. All right, on that – we going to say who that, and we getting the fuck out of here. All right, brother. Let's do another one this week, man. Let's give these, give these bitches what they want. All the Tailgate time. Sports.